Testing, one, two. Yes, there I am. You don't need to adjust the, um, the speakers. This is my voice today. <laughs> it's been a little low the last couple of days, but we're going to get through this, amen? I've got a lot on my heart, but I want to share with you um, a couple of things before we get into the message. First of all, we made a kind of a um, declaration, or I made a declaration a couple of weeks ago about wanting to do something with the men in this church. It's been on my heart for quite some time. And uh, in fact, I've been talking to different people about some of the different techniques and things in men's ministry that have been done. And what I truly believe is you've got to start somewhere. And so this Saturday, everybody say Saturday. All the men say Saturday. On Saturday, we are going to be meeting, if you could put that up there, Nate, we're going to be meeting at Axiom Coffee in Keller. It's a new coffee house right off of Golden Triangle. Um, and uh, I've already reserved the room. We've got it from 8 to 9. If we want to hang out a little longer, we can do that. But it's going to be a very casual kickback time where we're just going to talk as men about the Word of God and about life. And we're going to begin there. And so that'll be Saturday morning, 8 to 9, at Axiom Coffee in Keller. And you can go online, and we're going to send out a, an email and send out a blast so that you have that address. One of the reasons we want to do it at Axiom is uh, Axiom is actually owned by the chapel, Assembly of God, there in Keller, which is right next door. And they have just recently opened this coffee shop as a ministry to the community, and I love the heart. This is something that I've dreamed of for years that we want to do at some point. And so I thought, wow, this is great. So I got to go over there for a meeting this week uh, with someone and uh, just a very, very great atmosphere. And I'm just going to say it now as a coffee lover for nine years, it's good coffee. It's really good coffee. And if you don't like coffee, that's okay. They have tea for those guys and water. I don't know why, but if they have water for those of you guys that don't like coffee. But it's really good coffee. And for those of you that are coffee nuts, um, that was kind of a... Anyway, uh, those of you that are coffee nuts, um, they, get, they source all their coffee from Honduras. And the way that they found this coffee was from a missions trip. And they found a coffee grower there that went to the local church, and they connected with them, and they ordered 6,000 pounds of coffee. Wow. And so not only is it good coffee, not only is it supporting the church and ministries, but it also is supporting a local brother there and his family in Honduras. It's, it's just it's a win all the way around. So that's it. I just wanted you guys to know that. And also don't forget that our Spain mission strip is coming up. And if you would like more information about that, see Pastor Joe as quickly as possible because we're getting the dates and uh, the times. It'll be in July, but we're getting some of that final right now and we're trying to get our team together so if you're interested in going to Spain and ministering with Brian and Ruthie Gomez and helping them plant their church missionaries that we support on a monthly basis um, if you'd like to be involved in that then make sure you see Pastor Joe um, very very soon all right would you stand for the reading of God's word we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 I'm calling my message today the whole shebang. I've never called a message that in my entire life, but the whole shebang. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. (laughs) 
Watch this. Did you hear what we sang? I didn't tell Susan what to sing. I didn't tell the worship team what to sing. In fact, I, I know I should. I mean, I know the songs. They send them to me, but I, I don't always look at them. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, yeah, they've got songs. Praise God. Um, so this was one of those weeks. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Would you say living sacrifice? Come on, say it. Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Can I tell you, dead worship has no place in a church. (laughs) Dead worship has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. He says, your true and proper worship is a living sacrifice. Let's keep on moving. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to read this from the message. Stay standing. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. How many know the culture is immature? Watch the news for two seconds. It's immature. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. One more version. Passion. Just verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Can you just place your hand over your heart? God, we give you our heart right now. God, this morning has already been a message of sacrifice. God, and we say to you, we give you our life. We lay it down right now. God, would you take the word, your word, and would you make it living and active in our lives? We know it's already living and active, but would you come alive in us today? Would the word of God come alive in us today and activate the spirit of God within us to do and to transform our lives into the image of the Son? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love reading from multiple translations. It helps us really, quite honestly, understand the original language better. I don't don't read every translation because some of them are just a little out there. But I do love these three translations. And I love them because they, they really help communicate the heart of God in a passage. And if you're used to reading one translation all the time, sometimes you can become immune 
to the meaning and stop hearing. It's kind of like, you know, the Charlie Brown teacher. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wah, 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 wah. That's, even the Word of God can become like that, just reading the same translation over and over again. So kind of spreading out like this helps it to come alive. And when I see Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, there's so much here, so much life, so much instruction, so much direction, so much that can transform us. But, but here, get the heartbeat of this. God is saying, I want you to be transformed. I want you to be different. I don't want you to fit into the culture of this world, the patterns of this world. I have a new pattern that I've created. I have a new culture that I've created. I I like to call it the kingdom culture. Look at your neighbor and say kingdom culture. You see, we got our American culture. I love, I got to admit it, I love our American culture. I love, I, can I just say it? I love our Texas culture, okay? I love barbecue. I love Tex-Mex, all right? I mean, I love, I love the fact that people, for the most part, are friendly. And, and, and if they're not, you might know that they're from another state. No offense to the three quarters of you that are from another state. I'm just joking with you. But you know what I'm talking about. I have people all the time say, man, I, Texas is so different than where I grew up. It's like everybody knows everybody, you know? I, and I love that about our culture. But how many of you know there's some bad parts of our culture too? How about greed, envy, lust? Come on, somebody. I mean, it's, there, there's some sinful part of our culture. Even in Texas, everything's bigger in Texas, right? And that's, that gets into our, our psyche and we begin to think, well, we got to have a bigger house. We got to have a bigger boat. We got to have a bigger car. We got to have a better car. We got to have this. We got to have that, you know? We got to have all of this. And, and we start feeling the culture. I'm reminded of a time when Joni and I were served with blessing. We were seeing young people come to Christ. We were seeing a verifiable revival. It was exciting. And, and man, if you were to come to one of our youth services, you would see teenagers that were just on fire for God, seeking Him, going after God and everything that they did. And then they would go to school, and then we were seeing schools transformed and lives. It was an awesome time. That was on the spiritual side, on the ministry side. But there was something that, that Joni and I were struggling with. And, and our, we were having kids at that time and more kids. And, and then, you know, we had Emily come along when we first moved there. And then, and then we had Nathan, the surprise child, you know, that kind of came along. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, okay, now we got these five kids under six years old. And, and so life was hectic at home. And, and you know, that three-bedroom house was kind of getting a little uh, cramped, if you know what I mean. And so rightfully so, we began to look and we bought a house in a decent little neighborhood and it was a cute little house and, and you know, everybody was stuffed in there. But, but then we got some friends. We got some friends and they were church friends. They were spirit-filled friends. They were, they were Christian friends, but they had bigger houses than us. And they had pools and they had a slide. Our kids love going over there, you know? And we're like, God, we're rulers, Right? For those of you that were here at the very beginning, we're rulers. I mean, we, you know, we, we can have this, right? How many of you know it's okay to have some stuff? No problem with that. We can have some stuff, but it kind of depends on does the stuff have you or do you have the stuff? Hello? Do you have the stuff or does the stuff have you? And, and so maybe I won't throw my wife under the bus. I'll, I'll say me. I know I begin to struggle with this. And as that man of the house, and as that, come on, we, yes. And I got to tell you, it was a shift in mindset because I'd grown up in such a poverty mindset. Hello? 
So I know God was beginning at that time to shift into an abundance mindset and understanding I was a child of God. And still, to this day, there's struggle there. I recognize it. But I begin to just go, you know, man, we need a bigger house in a nice neighborhood. Maybe we can't have the slide and the pool in the backyard, but maybe we could have a slide and a pool in the neighborhood. And in Florida, if you've ever lived there, been there, you know, neighborhoods are a big thing. And, and neighborhood pools and amenities. You spend big bucks, $250 a month, for the privilege of living in the neighborhood. $500 a month for just the privilege of having your home there. I mean, they go crazy. And so we're like, that's what we want. Well, what was wrong with the $5 a month I think we paid in Williamsburg? I don't know. I don't know if we paid anything in Williamsburg. It was less than $25 a year we paid in, in the one neighborhood. And our house was big enough. We had a nice yard. We had nice neighbors. You know, we put up a swing set. I mean, come on. What do kids really need today? But that started getting in me because my friends, hello, had so much more. And so we did the dumb. Anybody ever done dumb? We did the dumb. And we found a interest-only Mortgage. Anybody remember those? Yeah, pre-recession. Yeah, caused the recession. Yeah, I was part of that. Thank you for all of you that went through the recession. Yes, you can thank me because I was part of that. We got sucked right into that. And we got a nice house. I'm telling you, it was a nice house. It was a nice neighborhood. $250 a month. Am I bitter about that? I mean, it was, you know, nice neighborhood. A theater that we could rent out any time. Massive pools with slides. I mean, it was a nice neighborhood. I mean, it was so nice. But you see, the stuff began to have me. And then God, in his infinite mercy and grace, called us to plant a church. And I think part of it was to rescue me from me. Because we went from full-time salary, full-time, you know, insurance, nice house, nice neighborhood to five kids in the second bedroom of her parents' house laying on the floor. Y'all remember those times? Oh, great times. Great times. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? To follow the call of God. And don't look at me and go, oh man, you, you made such sacrifice. No, I was dumb. I'm not saying I was dumb for leaving Florida. I'm saying I was dumb for getting that house. And it became part of our testimony now but it became a very painful part of our testimony. And finally, God set us free from that, and we were so grateful. Well, look at this. Can I tell you, you can get caught up in a, in a church culture that is not kingdom culture. Say that again. You can get caught up in a church culture that's not actual kingdom culture. I want our church to have kingdom culture. But if we're not careful, even other Christians can begin to rub off on you their worldly culture that they're still hanging on to. I don't know where that's from because it's not nowhere here. But it is in Scripture. It's for you today, man. Can we just stop for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I just want to live in kingdom culture. 
I don't want to live in poverty. I don't want to live in orphanship. I don't want to live in, in the, the immaturity of this worldly culture, God. God, I want to live in kingdom culture. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God, just shed that culture off of me. Mm, Jesus. Can I tell you, this is where it starts. It starts in surrender. But then Romans goes on and says, you got to transform your thinking. And the Holy Spirit will help you to do that through His Word. To transform your thinking. To taking steps to saying, I'm going to transform my thinking. I'm going to transform that pattern. You know, this last couple of weeks, we've been kind of playing around with this whole idea of the pattern of life that starts with God and ends with God, using the baseball as an example, where home plate is where it all begins and where it all ends. It's our purpose in life. It's, it's our God's callings. It, it's, it's where our relationship with the Lord is the most important thing. Because just like in baseball, you don't start baseball at first base or second base. You start it at home plate. It's where you start. And as a believer, as a kingdom culture, we need to understand that everything begins and ends with God. Say everything begins and ends with God. I mean, everything. This is, this is that relationship with God. We, under, we have to understand this. And, and then, then we can move on to first base, which is our personal. That's, our, that's kind of those inner uh, things that you deal with. We talked about Joseph and how that, you know, when he was 18 or 17, he was all that in a bag of chips, standing up there with his coat of many colors going, look at me, everybody, and one day you're going to look at me because I'm going to be standing and you're going to be bowing to me. You know, he had these big dreams, and they were dreams from God. Hello? They were dreams from God, but they were misappropriated when he communicated them. You ever miscommunicated a dream God put on your heart? Yeah, I have recently. I understand that. <laughs> and I'm telling you, sometimes you, you communicate things before it's time, and you got to kind of be like Mary instead of Joseph and hold those things close to your heart. Be like Joseph when, when Jesus said to him and kind of almost rebuked his father at the age of 12 and said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? And they were like, ah, oh, Maybe we don't discipline this one. Never had to discipline him before. Maybe today's not a good day to discipline because what he just said, we got to keep in our heart, right? And so Joseph had to learn to deal and learn how to deal with his own character. And God, through a 20-year process, dealt with the character of Joseph. And I don't know where you are in your Bible reading, but right now we're right in the smack middle of Joseph's life, and it's amazing. I love it. It's, it's a powerful story, 10-chapter story of one of the most important characters in the Word of God. And Joseph learned it. And, and, and man, he would, he, it's just amazing. He would be raised up to this place. It says God's favor raised him up. And then, bam, the enemy, culture, slammed him down. But he kept his heart pure and God raised him back up. How many of you know <laughs> that pride comes before a fall? But humility will take you places you could never imagine. 
And so Joseph kept his heart humble in that time, and he grew in character. And this, this is where we have to understand that this is where we win those battles within. Then we move on, and we didn't really even talk about the second base, but I talk about it a lot, quite honestly, the people base how that we have to be together as a community, how that, that this is where we learn to win with others. Because how many of you understand if you bring all of your junk into a relationship with somebody else, then their junk and your junk get mix, mixed up, and then you got a lot of junk. It's called marriage. No. <laughs> anyway, but you have to be careful because you bring stuff into a relationship and you judge people based on the stuff that you've got, Right? And so that's how we have to begin to understand, wow, people are not the enemy. People are not my enemy. People, in fact, the Bible talks about us as the body of Christ, how the, that we have to come together, how the, that we're better together and, and all of that. It's not about me, it's about we. And Joseph understood this. And, he, and as he's re- being revealed to his brothers, he understands, wow, this is really about people. Think about how much God showed him it was about people. All those dreams that he had as, as a young man, you don't hear really about those until he's finally revealed with Pharaoh. And even at that point, he doesn't talk about it. It's another seven years or so, eight, or about nine years before he's even fully revealed that his dreams have come true. But all the other dreams, what were all the other dreams? They were all about someone else. And we learn from that that as we help others' dreams become realized. God makes our dreams realized. We say it this way, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. And that's where we understand that. But we've got we to get ourselves and our relationship with God first, and then we can move on to that, those inner things, those inner characters. And how many, can I just say this, this? You could do this every day. Start with God. Amen? Start with God. Start with your relationship with God, which immediately flows into your own personal things and God just help me and then you begin to to deal with people I promise you your spouse would like you better if we did it this way come on somebody amen, amen. <laughs> can, can I just since I didn't really preach on this can I just say this about individualism this is one of that American culture things right we pride ourselves in individualism and I saw this so much in Montana when we ministered there we ministered in Montana. Cause why? Because those people are tough. You think Montana is Yellowstone. No. Montana, the people of Montana are beautiful people, but they are rough. They're, they're survivors. They'll tell you, Pastor, I don't need you. I don't need you, this church. All I need is me and God, and we're a majority. That's good. I mean, that's like their, that's like their whole thing. So even getting them together in small groups is tough because I don't need nobody, Right? And that's kind of that individualism, that individualistic spirit. I, I love this quote by Lance Minche. I don't know if I have it, but it says, the U.S. English-speaking church is embodied in the individualism we were founded upon, but forms its theology from the collectivism of Scripture. Let me break it down for you because he's a professor. So let me just break that down. In other words, the U.S. American English-speaking church prides itself on individualism, but yet we base our theology off of a culture that was all about collectivism, that was all about us. That's why we struggle in the American church. It's a big reason. And we've got to begin to say, God, I don't want that that U.S. American English culture 
to so overshadow that individualism, to so overshadow me that I miss what you're doing among us. How many of you know you're going to stand before God one day alone? That's scripture. You're going to stand before God one day alone. But unfortunately, people have taken that understanding of theology and applied it to their entire life. It's wrong. You're going to stand before God alone for a few minutes. Hear me. But for the rest of eternity, you'll stand before God with other believers, with the whole body of Christ. We got to get that into our spirit. Amen? Amen? Let's keep moving. There's a bunch of scriptures about that. But uh, people matter to God, therefore they should matter to us. Then the third one is competency or performance. The performance base is our passions, our giftings, our skills, our callings. Can I tell you this? I haven't got to talk about this. So this right here, this is where many men start their day. Can we just be honest? I I say many because not all. And I'm not excluding women because there are some women that you start out right here at performance, at competency. You might even say, no, I start with prayer, I start with my Bible, so I start my time with God, but then I go right to performance. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you just by a little nod said, yeah, yeah, that's where I go to, right? Where do you think many women, not all women, but where do you think many women start their day? People. Come on. Ladies, when... Many of you, when you first meet an individual, what's the, what, what within the first two or three minutes do you begin to talk about? Your children, your family, maybe, if we're lucky, your spouse. But I mean, you know, you, you begin to talk about what? Relationships. What's some of your first questions? Are you married? How many kids do you have? Right? If you're a grandparent, you just skip the kids, right? And you just go right to, the, man, let me show you my grandkids and... or here it is, right? Come on, is this not true? Where do you think kids and teenagers, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, all of them start. Every single one of them right here. Me, me, mine, me, it's all about me. Hello, me. Let's talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about me, right? Anybody with me? That is where kids start. And can I tell you, whether you're a man who starts at people or you're a woman who starts at performance or you're a man who starts, I don't care. We've got to start with God. It begins and it ends with God. The only way, the only way you score in baseball is to touch every base in order. Can I say it? In the pattern, you've got to go with the pattern. And in life, the life that God has created, this is a good pattern. And this is how I believe that God will judge us. And if you don't think God will judge us, then you need to come Wednesday nights to the Driven by Eternity class, and we'll talk about the six judgments that are going to happen, hello, after the rapture. But anyway, that's another story. Let's move on. We are a spirit who lives in a body, who possesses a soul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being 
spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. We are a spirit who lives in a body who possesses a soul. Our life, a good life in God, is going to include people. It's going to include our personal lives. It's going to include our, our performance. How, did I, I, may, I, may, I may have missed this. How many of you know performance to God is not a bad thing? Yes. Hello? Yes. For those of us that run to performance first, understand it's not a bad thing. God created Adam to work in the garden. Hello? He did. He gave, him, he gave Adam a job. But guess who Adam walked with? God. And then he realized, I mean, Adam, Adam was the perfect guy. So maybe he didn't have to work on that personal too much until later on. But I mean, in the beginning, Adam was the perfect guy, right? But perfect in most ways except one. How many of you know which way that was? He needed a helper the personal, I mean the, excuse me, the people. So even in Adam, we can see all of these happening. And when Adam put the people before God, then that's when sin entered in. Okay, let's keep moving. Let me keep moving. Spirit, soul, and body. Look at your neighbor and say, you are spirit. You are soul. You are body. This is who you are. And you say, this sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I preached about spirit, soul, and body the last Sunday of December. But I felt like God said, I need to bring this around. Here we go, one more. You ready? For those of you that are in that performance, you're just gonna, you love all these charts, okay? So here's one more. I'm not gonna take the time, don't worry. Some people are sweating. I'm not gonna take the time to go into all of this. But this is basically New Day Church and most churches in the world in a nutshell on a chart, if you can believe it. Basically, every church in the world does these things. Some of the experts took them from 300 things down to 15 things. And, and that's a whole other thing. But if you look at this, doesn't this look strangely familiar to the baseball diamond that we looked at? You see, in church life, see that spiritual life, that blue one? That's the number one. We believe that in churches, we should begin in the Spirit. Amen. Yes, Pastor. Because how many of you know if we, don't end, if we don't start there, then we're just a good YMCA or something else, right? I mean, but here, this makes up church, right? The Spirit. But how many of you know that spiritual, we've got to go beyond that. We've, we've got to go into community, right? The body of Christ, okay? And then, then we move through maturity and in, in growing in our spirit and growing in maturity and in our mind and our soul. And then we reach out through outreach, all coming together out of a core of vision, mission, and leadership, which if you could say it, that core is kind of like that pitcher's mount. God's throwing the balls. And you say, what does this have to do with anything? This and, and the whole baseball theme, all of it leads us to this point. God wants all of us. God wants all of us. I'm going to ask Brother Jerry to hand something out right now. 
to you. And don't get weirded out. Just take it for now. But I heard the Spirit say this, and I had no idea how he was going to start and, and be in this first part. But I want 2019 to be different. How many of you would like this year to be different from previous years in your life? Anybody? If you don't want that, then let me just ask it this way. How many of you would say, I would like to grow in 2019 beyond where I was even in 2018? Okay, so that should be 100% of us. If you're, in, if you're in neither one of those categories, then let's talk, let's sit down, let's pray, let's cast out whatever we need to cast out, let's counsel, let's do whatever we need to do. Because how many of you know living things grow? Come on. <laughs> living things grow. I want to grow. If nothing else, I want to grow. Now, personally for me, I want it to be different. I want some things to be different. And so here's what I want. Here's why I believe God brought us together on MLK weekend. Normally, in our church life, we have done vision casting things, and it's been all about where we're going as a church. I really felt like God said, where are you going as an individual? Because where we begin to go as individuals is where we collectively go as a group. Remember? Individualism and collectivism. You see... I'm just going to say, some of you, not all of you, some of you think your spiritual life doesn't matter to the rest of us. Can I give you one small example that it does? Remember Aiken. Anybody remember Aiken? few of you. Remember Joshua? Anybody remember Joshua? Oh, yeah, we remember Joshua. Well, do you remember Joshua's first defeat, the Israelites' first defeat after crossing over the river and heading into the promised land? They're all excited. They're all pumped up. Jericho comes down, the biggest, baddest city of them all. The first big obstacle that is the biggest, and it comes down. Boom. Lays flat. I mean, it's awesome. And then there's this little bitty tiny community out here. Just this little community. And they're like, that's Ai. I mean, it even has two letters in its name. Come on. AI. That's, that's the name of the town. AI, and it's two letters. We can take that. And they literally got together, and they said, let's just send a troop of 3,000, and they can take this city. No problem. I mean, did you just see what happened in Jericho? That was amazing. That was awesome. And all we did was march around. And man, that was just awesome. So this little town, send 3,000. They didn't inquire the Lord. If they would have inquired of the Lord, I believe, to me, that was the biggest leadership mistake in that story. They did not inquire of the Lord. Because they did not inquire of the Lord, they didn't know that this little man, one tiny soldier out of all of the armies, had taken some things from Jericho. And what did the Lord say? The first belongs to me. Do you realize that? God said, all the other cities you can take stuff from, but not Jericho. Why? Because it's the first. And how many of you know the first fruits always belong to the Lord? I'm not going to preach on tithes right now, but I'm telling you, the first fruit belonged to the Lord. And so Jericho was the first fruits to the Lord, and it belonged to the Lord. It was taken up as an offering for the priest and for the future temple and to supply for them. But Achan had just come out 40 years earlier from Egypt with his parents. We know he was a young man. And he saw them 
loaded down with gold. And for some reason, when they got in the promised land, he got it in his head, that's mine too. And he took some of the devoted things and he hid them. How many of you know when you hide stuff from God, it's never truly hidden? (laughs) And he hid some stuff. And Joshua did not inquire the Lord, and the leaders did not inquire the Lord. None of them inquired of the Lord about what to do. They said, we'll take it. We'll take AI. And they got their pants beaten off of them. Just like the Cowboys recently, they got the ball handed to them back. Did a good job, but they lost. I said, what? We got robbed. Supposed to be in the Super Bowl here. We got robbed. Hello? What what happened? We should have won that game. They're like, so easy. Why didn't we win? Because they didn't take care of the personal. Actually, they didn't take care of that God plate and go to him. And Achan skipped, tried to skip out on the personal. And because of that, they lost AI and they lost, what, 30-something men. I mean, you said, 30-something men's not a big deal. Oh, yeah? That'd wipe out our church. Hello? Can you imagine the 30 men in this church dying tomorrow? I'm not prophesying that at all, please. What kind of an impact? Can you imagine? Let's, let's forget that. In the Metroplex, 7 million people. Can you imagine 30 men in a community dying overnight? I mean, ah, there's 7 million people. What about those 30 families? It affected them, and it affected Joshua. And then what did Joshua do? Then Joshua inquired of the Lord, and God said, Son... It's Aiken. I say all that to say this. What you do in the spirit realm matters to the rest of us. It affects us all. I've often wondered, Lord, why wasn't Aiken one of the ones that was sent? And why didn't he die? I know that's horrible. But it's like, man. He was the one that sinned. God, why? And in my inquiry of the Lord, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, What you do affects everyone, whether you think it does or not. So I want you to succeed in 2019 with whatever the Lord has for you. I want you to grow in 2019. Why? Because if you grow this, we all grow. Hello? If you grow, we all grow. So I've, I've handed out just a simple little thing says, my 2019 growth action plan. And this is what I want to end with. I want you to think and pray. I don't want you to just write. Please, don't just write. But right now, I just want you to close your eyes for a minute and just say, Holy Spirit. Come on, say that out loud. Say, Holy Spirit. How do you want me to grow in my relationship with you? Hmm.
Write it down. You say, oh, don't I have to cry out for hours? Maybe. But just write down what he says right now, what you hear. with you. If you feel like you got anything, would you just nod your head? Amen. If you didn't get anything, it's okay. Keep asking. I believe the Holy Spirit will show you whether it's picking up his word daily, whether it's spending more time in prayer, whether it's coming up with a prayer plan, whether it's just saying, I'm going to spend time just sitting in his presence, whether it's meditating on scripture, memorizing scripture, whatever it is, it could be a number of things. I don't want to limit the Holy Spirit. This is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do this with every area. Every area. Now, these are just four that we did, took from the baseball thing, but can I tell you, there's many, there's layers here. <laughs> there's layers here. Because in that connection with God, there's layers there in His Word, in, in praying, in praying in the Spirit, in coming into communion. I mean, there's so many layers there. I mean, you just go to the one, skip to second base. How many of you know there's layers here? God might speak to you about your relationship with your spouse. God might speak to you about your relationship with your children. God might speak to you about your relationship with people at work. God might speak to your relationship with your neighbors. God might speak to your relationship with your parents. How many of you know we're on different levels on that, but if we'll commit that to God, he'll speak to us. And I believe he wants us to grow in every area. Guys, do you... Nate, do you have that picture that I sent you? I thought I had it, but I don't. Remember of the books? Yeah, before, before I left today, I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of prompt me. And I took a picture. These are the books right now that are sitting on my, on my night table. One of my struggles... And my kids can tell you this, my spouse can tell you this. One of my struggles is, is that I don't complete books. I'm just being honest. I start them, but I don't typically finish them. I want that to change in 2019. I want to complete a book. Amen? I I think that I got this idea from my pastor who who was my first boss, my first pastor, Pastor Paul D. Clark. Brilliant, brilliant man. Incredible man of God. And Paul Clark told me one time, he said, Ricky, if you buy a book and you get one good thought out of it, it's worth the price of the book. And I took that to heart. And I stopped reading when I find that one nugget (laughs) that I move on. So I've determined that I'm not going to allow that to happen. I want to finish. I want to finish. And 
this isn't all the books I want to finish, but I've got several there. And I'm just being open with you right now because you're my accountability group now. This is one I'm really trying to finish right now. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And here's the byline of the book. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Some of you are, you're, that's already messing with your theology. And yet, remember, we start at that first base with personal. God needs to deal with some things, and emotional healthiness is one that God needs to deal with me on. Hello? And so I'm going to read about that. And of course, I've got a church one, Letters to the Church. That's, that just wrecks me every time I open it. Uh, the Appeal to Heaven, that's a small one, so I'm almost done with that. Actually, I'm a third through it. Um, and then your best year ever. That's more on, on this kind of stuff. All written from a Christian author, Christian perspective. I don't want to trash up my life with a bunch of other ideas. That's not to say I won't read a secular book. It's just to say right now, this is what I need. That's what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. For you, this may not be in your wheelhouse. You may be Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? One of the greatest evangelists in the 1900s, he didn't even read the newspaper. He said, my only text is the word of God. And the man saw, I think, as, as the last I remember reading was about 19 people raised from the dead, verifiable raised from the dead. That's pretty cool. And he helped spark one of the greatest revivals in the last century. So you may be Smith Wigglesworth, and I don't mind that. That's fine. Go for it. Dig in the word more. Or maybe you're not a reader. Audiobooks. Whatever. I'm just trying to tell you, I want to be better. Do you want to be better? Yeah. Not for self-help, mumbo-jumbo. Hello? You understand where this is coming from? <laughs> this is coming from God. You've got so much more. And until my dying breath, God, I want to grow in you. I want to grow in you. I want to grow in every area of my life. Because unfortunately, what we do as a church, and as individuals, as Christians, is that we go, here's my church life, God. This is my last story. Susan, would you come? I want to sing that I surrender all. That's how we're going to end. I... I remember this story years ago. I don't remember who told me. But they told me of a deacon in a church who one day when a pastor was teaching something similar to this about giving your whole life to God, he wrote three circles on a piece of paper. And they were three circles just like this, like a triangle. He said, Pastor, here's my church life. Here's my family life. Here's my work life. None of them touch ever. If I would have the boldness, I would have fired that deacon right there. Can you do that? Yeah. Because he has a total misunderstanding of God. How many of you know you can't keep God out of your work life? And you can't keep him out of your family life? How many know you can't keep your family life out of your work life? And it's going to spill over into your God life. Hello? Spirit, soul, body. I don't know what God is speaking to you today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is highlighting right now. 
But this is what I want us to do. We've been singing this. I believe this is the message of the day. But right now, I want you to get very specific, and I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to surrender? Maybe when you're working through this sheet, something's going to come up, and you're going to go, man, I just don't know, I don't know how to grow in this area or what area I need to grow in. And you know what? Maybe you need to surrender something. Maybe sit and say, God, I surrender my relationship with my spouse. I surrender my finances. I surrender. I surrender my, my reading life. I surrender my work life. I was going to have you stand, but I just really want you right now, just put everything down, put the notes down, and just right there, would you just create an altar for the next three or four minutes? Would you create an altar right there before God? I want to remind you, Joseph was not a preacher, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle. Moses, though he's called later a preacher of righteousness, excuse me, Noah was. But Moses and Noah, neither one were pastors, teachers, priests, prophets, in the sense that we understand them today. May I remind you that none of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose was in the professional ministry. Not a one of them. I want to remind you that the people of God, the people of the word, the heroes of the faith were just like you. They were in the world, but not of it. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit and refused to compromise with the world around them. So don't ever think that you've got to be a preacher, a teacher, a prophet, an evangelist to make a difference and an impact in the kingdom. God is saying to you right now, I want to make 2019 a year of growth in your life because I've got an impact for you to make in the kingdom.
Holy Spirit, we do surrender all. We surrender every portion of our lives, of our bodies, our spirits, our souls, of our mind, will, and emotions, of our physical being. God, we want to glorify you in every area of our life. Not just our spirit. We want it to spill out onto every area of our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we surrender every individual part. Come on. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to me about one area. What is he speaking to you about? God, I give you my emotional well-being, God. God, I give you all of that, Lord. God, would you grow me? Holy Spirit, would you grow me? I surrender. I'll do what you say. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender all. I surrender all. Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just shine a spotlight? God, make it so obvious to us, Lord. I unstop every ear in the name of Jesus, every blind eye open. Every deaf ear opened in the name of Jesus now. God, we want to see, we want to hear. We want to see what you want to see, what you want us to see. We want to hear what you want us to hear, what the Spirit is saying to us as an individual and as a collective body. God, we say to you, we open up our eyes, we open up our ears, we open up ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen. I want to encourage you. Heard this on the way in. Reminded me. There is not a testimony without a test. There is not a victory without a fight. Amen? I'm going to tell you, your body, your soul, (laughs) will fight against this. And sometimes your kids will too. But you just give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not giving up until I see breakthrough in this area of my life. Amen? 2019, let's make this declaration. 2019, I'm going to be different. 2019, I'm going to grow in every area of my life. And in 2019, I'm going to see victory in areas of my life 
that I haven't seen victory in. In Jesus' name. Amen.